Um, we've said it a hundred times already today, but it is a new year. How many people three days in, you've, all, you've kept your resolutions going, New Year's resolutions? Come on, let me see your hand. Hey, can y'all bring the lights up for me a little bit so I can see everybody? Um, three days in, New Year's resolutions, hopefully you're hanging on. Uh, that We had a funny thing happen um, the other night, Friday night. We were hanging out with some friends, and um, maybe you felt like this. But uh, it was getting a little late, and so we decided to, we were over at a friend's house, we decided to go ahead and put the, the kids to bed, and so Nora and her friend Ella Claire, who are around the same age, we put them in the master bedroom, and, uh, and we were playing cards or whatever, and so they weren't asleep yet, and so Andrea went in to check on them to see what was going on, and when she, she, when she walked in the room, she just smelled mint. She just, like, smelled mint. You know if you've got young kids, like, you know, you, you smell things and you're like, uh-oh, what's going on? And come to find out that the girls, the three and four-year-old, had gotten out of the bed and found a box of junior mints and had eaten all of them in the box. And so Andrea is, you know, trying, you know, there are times parents come on where you're trying to be tough, but you're laughing at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, I can't believe you're trying not to laugh. And so she's like, who got into those mints? And Nora immediately was like, I didn't do it. Ella Claire did it. <laughs> and so Andrea got up real close to Nora and she said, then why can I smell mint in your breath? And I love Nora. She's like, I didn't want to, but Ella Claire rubbed some on my lips. <laughs> Maybe you feel like Nora today. Like they just, they just rub that food on your lips. You don't want to. You don't want to, but it's rubbing on your list. We're going to talk about that a little bit, not junior mints. We're going to talk about New Year uh, today a little bit. The definition of inertia is the resistance to any change in its current state. That's the definition of inertia. In 1686, Sir Isaac Newton released his three laws of motion, and his first law was the law of inertia, all right? And it states that every object will remain at rest or in uniform motion in a straight line unless compelled to change its state by the action of an external force. Does anybody have a headache yet? That's like, right? Except some of you science nerds, you're, you're, you're with me in here. Um, let, let, me, let me sum it up for you like this, okay? I'm going I'm to give you the Jason paraphrase of the law of inertia, all right? Here's what it means. It means how something is going is how it's going to keep going unless a greater force changes its course. So how something's going is how it's going to keep going unless a greater force changes its course. Now, Sir Isaac Newton, you know if you got Sir in front of your name, you're smart. And so he was a smart fella, and he was on to something. And if you'll let me this morning, what I want to do is I want to take Newton's law of inertia, and I want to mix it together with the Holy Spirit and I want to see if we can't start 2016 off compelled by God himself to change our course. Com compelled by God to change our course. Now, we all know what inertia feels like, okay? Feels like a bag of chips at 10.30 p.m. Come on. It, it feels like fast food drive through even though you decided you want to lose some weight. It feels like spending money at the store, even though you know you don't have the money to spend. We can keep going, but we all know the feeling of the resistance to change. Why, why is change so much harder 
than staying the same. Why is change so much harder than staying the same? You want me to tell you why? Inertia. Inertia. That's why. According to Newton, it takes an external force to compel us to change. Now, sometimes that force is a doctor telling us that we've had a heart attack. And and sometimes it's a spouse telling us if we don't change, they're going to leave. And in those moments, the pain or the misery or consequences compel us. It's that force that Newton was talking about. Sometimes it's the pain, the misery, the consequences that force us to change our course or our path. But what if there was an external force that, that forced us or compelled us to change long before the worst case scenario ever came about? Now, that's what I want to talk about today, because I believe that there is that external force. It's the Holy Spirit, and he is trying to speak to all of us today. The external force of the Holy Spirit trying to speak to all of us today, okay? It's the new year. Everybody's excited about the possibility of change, New Year's resolutions, we love that around my house. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the champion of the New Year resolution goals. My friends get annoyed by me because I'll, I'll give them a worksheet with 20 possibilities of New Year goals, and we'll go to dinner and talk about it, and then we'll check up mid-year. I'm that guy, right? And, uh, and no one loves the optimism. No one has the optimism, loves the possibility more than me. And let me just stop for a second. This is not the point of the message, but I felt like it would be worth saying this morning that, that any time it's a new year and any time you feel compelled to change, whether it's a new year or not, there are always going to be people who think that they're cute by being negative. You know somebody who's negative but thinks it's cute? Let me see your hand. All right, okay, a couple of you guys. They, they want to be an advocate for the devil, okay? They think the devil needs advocates. They're, they're going to make jokes about how many people are at the gym in January, Right? They're going to post memes about how nobody shows up to the gym except in January. They're going, to, they're going to make fun of you setting goals. They're going to talk in a way like, oh, have you failed yet? You know what I'm talking about. And they think it's cute. They think like that's my role in life. My role in life is to bring everybody down to earth. My role is to, is to just be a realist. I just tell the truth. That's who I am. Listen, I just want to encourage you today. Ignore those people. Ignore those people. They're miserable. They're jealous. They're in a bad mood. They live in a bad mood. Misery loves company. They want to make you miserable with them. All right? And unless you're married to them, I want to tell you to ignore them and to stop giving them your energy. Now, if you're married to them, that's a different sermon for another time. All right? You can't really ignore them. Uh, but just, just I, one of the best things you could do this year is just avoid negative people. Uh, just clean up your Facebook news feed, you know, just, just clean out your phone. Uh, learn how to say no to the right people. Okay, so that's not, that was just free right there, a little sidebar for you. Um, but today we're not going to talk about weight loss. We're not going to talk about getting organized. We're not going to talk about being productive. I love that. You want to talk about that afterwards? I'd love to talk about that. I'll probably write about it a little bit this week on the, on the website. But I want to go a little deeper, okay? I want to go deeper want to dig into a little more serious and important level, go beyond our physical lives, and I want to talk about our spiritual lives. I want to talk about our spiritual lives. While Newton was talking about physics, motion, and energy, his words are really important because the Holy Spirit 
is the ultimate external force that can compel us to change. And I'm certain that if you will listen, you will hear and you will feel the promptings of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit, placing new dreams in your life, new thoughts, new prayers, new ideas in your heart, in your mind that will ignite this compelling force that could change your course. That's what we read about in Acts chapter 8. If you have a Bible, uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. If not, it's going to be up on the screen. I would encourage you to, to, to get some, some paper or pen out. Let's take some notes this morning. I really think it's going to help you. But that's what we read about in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. This is what it says. It says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road, that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And then verse 27 says four really important words. It says, so he started out. So he started out. If you have a Bible or whatever you use, the ability to underline or highlight, I want you to mark those four words. So he started out. Those are four words that not a lot of people get to say. Those are four words that we don't say enough. We don't get the opportunity to say enough. I started. I started. I had an idea. I had a leading. I had a prompting. I had a, uh, a compelling reason, and I started. We don't say that enough. So let me, let me start by asking you this question today. Where do you need to start? What first step do you need to take? Where do you need to take a step? Where do you need to start? Martin Luther King Jr. said, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. Where do you need to take a step today? Where do you need to start? Where do you need to step out? See, the challenge isn't having dreams or ideas. Especially if you've got a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit in you like me, you get a new idea every three hours. You get a new dream. I can't tell you how many times I've said to Andrew, I think I got a million dollar idea right here. You just, you get ideas, you get dreams, you, you get motivated for a second. You get something that compels you, that excites you. That's never been the problem. The problem is, the challenge is having the courage to take the first step. To overcome the power of inertia and get started and every time we act on one of those promptings, we grow, we change. So today for the time left, I want us to simply, practically talk about the art of the start, the art of the start. And I wanna give you four simple thoughts. We're gonna start 2016 today, super simple, super practical. Uh, I actually wanna give you three simple thoughts about starting, getting started, taking that first step, towards whatever the Holy Spirit is nudging us to do. Those leadings, those promptings, those whispers, those crazy ideas. What is it that we need to start today? What is it that's that first step we need to take? So I'm gonna give you three, three ideas, three thoughts about getting started today. You ready? The first thought is this. The first step is always awkward. The first step is always awkward. Let me, let me 
make an announcement to you today. Some of my close friends know this. But I decided really a little bit before the end of 2015, but towards the end of 2015, I decided I'm making a change in my life. I'm going to become a hugger. I've decided I'm going to become a hugger because I want the people that I care about to know that I care about them. And one of the ways I'm going to let them know that is I'm going to hug them. Now, some of you in here, you go overboard on the hugging, all right? And so I just gave you the green light, and you're really going to get too close to me. And I love you. We're going to have to work into it, okay? All right? I'm not really a hugger, but we're going to get there, all right? And so I've just put the people on notice in my life that I'm around a lot that we don't hug. I just told them, listen, get ready. I'm going to start hugging. And can I tell you? It was kind of awkward. It was kind of awkward. I texted the staff. I said, staff, get ready. It's going to be awkward for a little while, but I'm just going to start hugging you. I'm just going to start hugging you. I told the people in my life that we had the babysitter over last night. Andrew and I were talking downstairs. I said, come here, bring it in here for the real thing. Come here, I'm hugging. I'm a hugger now. And she's like, okay, you know. Listen, I'm being serious, but also it's awkward. The first step is always awkward. But can I tell you something? It took about three hugs to not be awkward anymore. It took about three hugs. Took about two, and now, now, now Jason's a hugger. It, took about three conver- it takes about three conversations. It's not awkward. It takes about three times saying no thank you. And then people don't think you're being rude anymore. It, it, it becomes normal faster than you think. Whatever it is, whatever that thought, that prompting, that leading, and, and, and maybe what's keeping you from taking that first step is, is how awkward it's going to be. Can I tell you something? It's going to be not awkward a lot faster than you think. It's going to get normal really, really fast. And the things that are normal for you right now were awkward at some point, a la marriage. That first date was awkward. You know, half you ladies didn't even eat on your first date. You just acted like you were not an eater. You are an eater, but it was awkward that first date, whatever it was, that first kiss, it was awkward. It's not awkward anymore, right? The first day on the job, it was awkward. It's not awkward anymore. And so it gets normal a lot faster than you think. So what have you been putting off doing because of a fear that it would be awkward? We're getting, come on, we're getting beyond the physical a little bit, we're getting the spiritual. Maybe it's praying out loud. Maybe it's praying out loud. I just don't think I could pray out loud. It's, it's just, it's gonna be really awkward. Can I tell you? About three prayers. About three prayers, it's not gonna be awkward anymore. Maybe it's showing up to a small group. I don't know them. I don't know that house. My kids, you know, break things. Like, I don't know. It's gonna be awkward. Can I tell you? About two visits. About two visits, it's not gonna be awkward anymore. And sometimes what we do is we show up once and we never go back because we say, man, that was so awkward. Just go back again. It, it won't be that, that awkward. What about, what about maybe the first time coming up for prayer when we have prayer time in service? You really want to go up. I heard somebody say the other day, um, uh, you know, that the altar is where God does its best alterations. All right, a little cheesy, but everybody likes nachos. All right, so the, the, the altar is where God does his best alterations. Okay. So for maybe for three months or so, you're thinking, I really want to go up there for prayer, but it's just going to be awkward. Listen, about two trips, about two trips. Maybe it's inviting someone to church. I really want to invite them to church, but it's just, it's going to be awkward. Listen, two or three no's, you'll get over it. They'll probably say yes, though. Maybe it's reaching out to a family member that there's been some, some, some distance, there's been some conflict 
Maybe it's bringing up that conflict and asking for forgiveness. And you say, well, I'm afraid to do that because it would be awkward. Can I tell you, just bring it up once or twice. It's not going to be awkward anymore. And if I could add a little caveat, maybe we'll call this 1A. The, the first time, the first step is always the hardest too. It's the most awkward and it's always the hardest because there's no momentum. It's that inertia that we were talking about. The first workout, it's always the hardest. It's always the hardest. The first tithe check. Come on, talk to somebody who is a tither, who, who gives 10% of what they make to God, because that's what it tells us in Malachi 3. Talk to them about the first time they wrote that check. Hard, difficult, that first step of faith. First day of eating healthy. You just feel like people rubbing mint on your lips. The first time fasting. We're about to do 21 days of prayer and fasting starting on January the 10th. That'll go January 10th, January 31st. And, and you, you've wanted to try it, but you don't know, and you're worried it's going to be hard. Can I tell you something? It is going to be a little bit difficult because it's the first step. It's the first step. But you can do it. First year of that new business that you want to start. It's hard. First year of marriage can be challenging. You know, they say all the time the first year of marriage is like the most, is the most difficult. It wasn't for me. I had a blast my first year. Then about four years later, I heard Andrea say it was the most difficult year of her life. So it was hard for her that first year. I had no idea. I had no idea. I don't know. Listen to me. Courage is a muscle. Courage is a muscle. Courage is a muscle. And the stretching is where we grow. I heard Joyce Myers say one time, just do it, do it scared. Just do it afraid. The stretching is where we grow. Comfortable is where we rust. The stretching is where we grow, and comfortable is where we rust. So the first step is always awkward, and then slash hardest. It's, it's, it's the hardest. Second, second uh, statement, second thought is this. There's no perfect time to start. There's no perfect time to start. We always think there's a, there, there's, a, there's a perfect amount of money to save to get married or to have kids or to launch that business or whatever it is. Can I tell you something? There's no perfect time to start. Alan Cohen said, do not wait until the conditions are perfect to begin. Beginning makes the conditions perfect. Right? Theodore Roosevelt said, do what you can with what you have where you are. Just go for it. Do it. Zechariah 4.10 says, do not despise these small beginnings. I love this. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I love that. This idea that God is up in heaven and when he sees us begin a work, he rejoices. I think, I mean, I can't prove this. This is totally my opinion. I think one of the reasons he rejoices is because so few people begin. So few people start. I think he gets excited and rejoices when... When they start, I, I think I want to just take a, a moment today uh, to honor and to celebrate my friend Bobby. Bobby sits down here on the front row. Y'all know Bobby because y'all know Bobby because he he amens me real loud, keeps me encouraged. Uh, but most of you don't know Bobby's story. Bobby has an incredible story that I'm not going to give you all of it today, but I want to give you just a few little details. Bobby has been on dialysis for 20 years. He's had open heart surgery. Am I saying that right? You had open heart. You had two open heart surgeries. I shorted him one. He uh, he's had both his lungs taken out and put back in. Is that right? Yeah, had that one time. And and just a really really difficult physical life. And in 2015, 
uh, God aligned some things, and, and Tim, who also goes to the church here, Tim uh, Jenkins uh, and Bobby became roommates, and Tim is kind of a, a physical fitness health guy, and, uh, and just through conversation and prayer and the promptings of the Holy Spirit and friendship, Bobby was uh, encouraged, motivated, compelled to not use his physical challenges as an excuse anymore and decided he was going to get active. And so he, start, he just started walking. And I don't know how far he walked that first day, but he walked a little bit. And eventually he started walking a mile every day. And then eventually he started walking two miles every day. And he started getting active. And things started changing so much so that he's in a bowling league down at the bowling alley. They, they, they used to describe Bobby as a man who looked like he was waiting to die. And now they describe him as a man who looks like he wants to live. Waiting to live, they said. And so I just, I, I just you, a lot of you guys don't know Bobby, and, and, and I just wanted you to know, and I thought this was a great time to, to honor and celebrate him, that there is no perfect time to start. One day, Bobby decided he was just going to start getting active, and he was going to start walking, and, and his life has turned around physically. Yes, sir. Oh, I only got one lung in there working. Yeah. Other one was all right. So he's doing all that on one lung, and then God's helped him with the other lung. Got, yeah. 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 God's so good, isn't he? I think that's a great place to celebrate. So listen, listen, whatever your excuse is, after service, I want you to come talk to Bobby. And I want you to give Bobby your excuse. And I want you to tell, he's going to tell you about his life. And I think you're going to realize there is no perfect time to start. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So where do you need to take that step? Where do you need to start out? Just like Stephen says, so he started out. Let me give you number three. Let me give you one more, one more uh, takeaway, one more idea here. You might need to stop one thing to start something else. You might need to stop one thing to start something else. Andy Stanley once said, every yes is a no to something else. You only got 24 hours. You only got so many pieces of the pie you can cut up. And so every yes is a no to something else. In Mark 11, there's a really peculiar story about Jesus cursing a fig tree. Mark 11 Starting with verse 12, it says, The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, so he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked on this story, but I think we can learn a valuable lesson from Jesus, okay? This seems mean, what he did. It doesn't seem like something that Jesus would do to this tree. But the lesson that we can learn from Jesus is that old and ineffective things in our life have to die in order for new things to grow. In order for new things to grow, old things got to go. And all of us have some barren fig trees in our life that we need to kill. We need to let go of them. We need to go ahead and shut it down so something new can grow in our life. So what do you need to say no to today 
so that you can say yes to something new. Maybe some of us need to say no to Netflix. Come on, binge watching. It's like, I'm just gonna watch one and then we watch 10. You know how it is. And see, well, maybe in order to start reading our Bible, we need to start saying no to Netflix. Maybe we need to start saying no to dessert. Come on, pray for me, people. Pray for me. Maybe we need to start saying no to the snooze button. I can out-snooze button anybody in here. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. But, you know, I heard uh, Mark Batterson say one time, every time you hit the snooze button, you're delaying your dreams nine minutes at a time. Maybe you need to say no to the snooze button so you can develop some morning habits. Maybe you need to say no to some relationships. Some old, ineffective, non-fruit-bearing relationships in your life. As painful as it is, can I tell you that those comfortable relationships is probably where you've rusted a little bit? Probably where you rusted a little bit. And I'm not saying you need to be mean, and I'm not saying that you literally need to curse them. But I am saying that it may be time to say no to some relationships so that God could bring some new relationships into your life. What, what barren fig tree do you need to let go of? Let me, let me tell you how the story ends. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 31. I want to read how the story ends. So it says that Philip, uh, the Holy Spirit says to go south, Jerusalem to Gaza. Says so he started out in 27. And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the queen. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah, verse 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip. So the Holy Spirit said, Go over there. That's all he told him. So he started out. But as he went and obeyed the first time, then the Holy Spirit said to do something else because courage is a muscle and being obedient is a muscle. And so then the Holy Spirit said, go over and walk beside that carriage. The Bible says Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? So in other words, what's happening is this eunuch from Ethiopia had gone to Jerusalem. He knew of God he knew of the religion of God, of Jerusalem, but he did not have the revelation of Jesus that had just happened. We're in Acts 8, so we're only eight chapters into post-Jesus being raised from the dead. And so this Ethiopian eunuch had no revelation of Jesus, and he's reading this verse in, in the, from the prophet Isaiah. And the man said in, 20, in 31, how can I, unless someone instructs me, and so Philip got up into the carriage, sat down with him, explained to him what he was reading, led the Ethiopian to Jesus, to believing in Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, baptizes him on the spot. And then the Bible says that Philip disappeared and showed up like 20 miles somewhere else, which is nuts, which I'm not saying is going to happen to you, but I'm just saying when you obey the Holy Spirit, crazy things happen, right? Let me tell you this little incredible fact, okay? Ethiopia has a 2,000, really now about a 2,015-year unbroken chain of Christianity. And you think, well, that's not that big a deal. It is in Africa. And so there's a 2,015 unbroken chain of Christianity, 2,000 years 
very unique in the continent of Africa. And I can't prove it, and nobody can totally prove it, but could I just suggest today that if you trace it all the way back, I would be willing to bet that it started with this Ethiopian. That's what I would be willing to bet. That this guy was the first Ethiopian convert. And there has been a chain of Christianity in Ethiopia for over 2,000 years. What's the point? The point is this, is that when Philip said yes to the Holy Spirit and he started out, he changed the nation. Changed the nation. And I'm not saying that your yes today is going to change a nation. That's not what I'm saying. But it may. It may. You have no idea the difference that that a yes today, that a starting out, that a first step could take today. In your chair when you came in, there was a white card. Could you go ahead and pull that out for me? Go ahead and pull that out. Very simple card. On the front is an opportunity for you to write down what the first step you want to take today is, what you want to start. I will start, and I'm going to give you the opportunity. I want you to write down one thing. That one idea, that one prompting, that one leading, that one thing. Maybe it is losing weight for you, not because of some kind of physical thing, but because it's a spiritual thing. But, but, but it could be something other than that too. It could be inviting someone to church. It could be praying out loud. It could be tithing. It could be fasting. It could be ending a relationship. There's so many things. And if I didn't name yours, then just go with what you feel in your heart and in your mind. Maybe it's serving, volunteering, serving. Whatever it is, you have no idea the difference that could happen or that could be made with what you write down on that card. I was thinking as I was finishing up this sermon that I had no idea what I was saying yes to when I got a call 10 years ago living in Louisiana from a buddy who said, hey, why don't you come up here to Louisville for a weekend? And I'm looking at hiring a youth pastor. You can see if you like it, come on up. I said, all right, I'll come. I said, yes. Got on the plane. I had no idea what I was saying yes to. No idea. And you don't either. You don't either. And so here's what I wanna do. You're gonna take that card you're going to write it down. I'm going to start. Today, I'm going to take the first step. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be in a nice, pretty little sentence. I just want you to write it down. Don't write down two things. Don't write down four things. Write down one thing. And then on the back of the card is some contact information. And here's what I want to do today, if you would like for me to. I'm not making you do this. But what I would like for you to do today, you can take that card with you if you want. You don't want anybody else to see it. That's your prerogative to do that. But if you would let me, here's what I would love to do. I'd love for you to turn those cards in today. And in about 90 days, I'm gonna put it in the mail and I'm gonna send it back to you. And I'm gonna let you open it up in the mail. And for some of you, you will have already said yes and you will have already started and you would have, you know, you're already down the road. But some of you still 90 days from today, you won't have started yet. You won't have taken that first step yet. And what I hope happens, because somebody did this for me when I was 15 years old, what I hope happens is that you'll open that envelope and you'll pull out that card and there will be a force from the Holy Spirit that compels you to change course. So would you just take a moment right now, write down on that card, whatever it is that you feel like 
is prompting you, the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't know what it is. You need to pray about it, take it home with you, and remember to bring it back. Will you just write down what it is? Today, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna take the first step. There's no perfect time to start. I may have to say no to something to say yes to something else. First step's gonna be awkward. It's gonna be hard. What is it? Today, I'm gonna start. Today, I'm gonna start. Today, I'm gonna start. And what I'd like for you to do as you leave today, if you would like for us to send this to you, that's all we're gonna do, I promise. We're gonna just send it to you. Is just drop it in the giving boxes as you leave today. Just drop it in there. We're gonna take all those, put a rubber band around them, and about 90 days, we're gonna drop it in the mail to whatever address you put on there and let you open it up so you can see it and be compelled, all right? Let's pray.